Mean Old Lion Media and Sunseeker TV, in association with Carl Anthony Payne Entertainment, present Black Arm of the Law. Thank you for joining us. Uh, welcome, Black. Welcome, Black. Welcome, Black, to another uh, Black Arm of the Law. Black like I never left, okay? Black again in this thing. Welcome to the Black Arm of the Law, where we discuss various experiences between uh, law enforcement who just happen to be members of law enforcement who happen to be black or brown or of color, and uh, also their experiences with the community. And uh, the purpose of this podcast is to see how we can bridge that gap, because there's a, there's, there seems to be a gap uh, between, you know, and, and, a, and a large disparity between the two. So um, welcome to the show, Carrie. Welcome Thank, to you. The show. Um, Thank you. Let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. Uh, let me let me let me give you the proper introduction here. Uh, in 2008, she was fired from Buffalo PD and her pension was halted after stopping another officer who was using a chokehold on a suspect while the suspect was handcuffed. In April 2021, Carrie won the approval to have her pension and back pay reinstated. Cario continues her fight for a national law and registry called Cario's Law, which you can find at carioslaw.com. That's C-A-R-I-O-L-S law.com. Cario's law is a proposal for legislation to have a mandatory statute on police bystander intervention, provide protection from retaliation, require external investigation with mandated reprimanding for abuse of misconduct, create required reportable registry. We create a required reportable registry. Once again, please welcome to the show, Cario Horn. Mm-hmm. So, Ms. Horn, let's jump right into mm-hmm. it. Tell us about the experience that led to this uh, your journey to uh, create Cario's Law. Walk me through it. All right. So the journey started on November 1st, 2006, when I uh, responded to an officer in trouble call. Mm-hmm. When I got there, the officer was uh, punching uh, Neil Mack, who was handcuffed, in his face. Um, I didn't do anything at the time because I did not know what happened prior to me getting there. So I helped push him out of the house. After we got him out of the house, I was going to my patrol vehicle and Gregory Kwiatkowski, the same officer who was punching him in the face, decided to swing him around and, and put him in a, a chokehold. So I yelled to him, Greg, you're choking him. And he didn't stop choking him. Then I grabbed his arm from around his neck. He punched me in the face after that. So then um, I wanted to have him arrested for assault. Um, and well, Let's go back. Let's go back. Because mm-hmm. we, okay. we, we're moving fast on it. We're moving fast. <laughs> I got a picture. I got to paint this picture for those who are listening. Okay. So you get a call to respond to officer in trouble. Yes. So was it was it the officer that made that call? Was it Greg that made the call? Well, um, I think he was one of the officers that responded to the officer in trouble call. So it wasn't him that made the call or it wasn't him that was supposedly in trouble? Um, correct. Okay. So now you arrive on the scene, you're, you're assessing what's, what's happening, you assist the other officers in getting the, uh, the individual... Not calling the suspect? I didn't, I didn't not, say it. I didn't say I was about it. to say, he does not like to be no. called the suspect. No, no, no. Neil Mack. Well, well, it, everybody's innocent to proven guilty, supposedly. So I don't, I don't ever supposedly. say suspect. Right. So I don't ever say suspect. Uh, so the individual out of the out of the household. Now he's handcuffed at this time. Yes, he was handcuffed when I first came in the house. Right. And mm-hmm. you, and what you walked in on, you saw another officer punching a man who was already handcuffed in his face. Yes. But what I didn't know at that time that I did learn later on was that the reason that he was handcuffed in the front, which is not protocol, was because they had beat him in his groin to where he was bloody. To so where he was bloody. Wow. So he was basically, he said he was like in a fetal 
position trying to protect his groin. Um, he said they hit him with brass knuckles. Um, I didn't see brass knuckles when I got there, but that all happened prior to me getting there. So is Mr. And now, now just for the record, Mr. Jamak is is African American or black? Yes. Okay. And the other officer or the arresting officer was white. Yes. All right. So now you you, you see what's happening. You help him out. You you uh, help get the uh, individual out of the house. And at, at some point, the white officer, um, what's his name again? Gregory Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. Gregory mm-hmm. Kwiatkowski mm-hmm. then proceeds to put the individual in a chokehold. Yes. From, from behind, where you wrap your arm around the, the guy's neck. Yes. Now, did it, well, did did he seem like he was a threat at that point, the uh, individual? He was, in handcuffs. he was in handcuffs, and it was like at least 18 officers there, something like 18. So, um, if, he, if he was any type of threat, that would have been limited because he was handcuffed, number one, and because there were so many officers there. Was What, what was the original, do you, do you know at this point what the original call was for, for the officers to show up? Male. Male? M-A-I-L. So they showed up for a call to an individual's house about some mail. Yes, the uh, Neil Mack and his um, girlfriend were arguing, arguing about mail. So the... So it's a domestic call. Yes. Like a domestic disturbance. Yeah, but it was about mail. And the uh, uh, mailman flagged down an officer. So that officer uh, that officer yeah. went there with um, a lieutenant, our lieutenant, and they basically asked him to go get the mail. He said he told them he does not have her check, which is what she was saying that she wanted. It was the day that check was supposed to be um, delivered. And she used to live there, but she didn't live there at the time. So they said, go get the mail. Go get the check. I don't have a check. Go get the mail. He gives him, the, he goes to get the mail. He said the officer had his hand on his gun. So he tossed the mail to him and then tried to shut his door. And then they bum rushed him, for, uh, pushed the door open and started beating on him. That was what his story is. Right. And then the call goes out. Officer needs help. Officer. Yes. Needs assistance. So, so was there one or two, there was two cops at that time, right? It was two cops at the time, but when they bum rushed into the house, they didn't realize that I think, um, two or three of his sons were there. So once they saw the sons were there, I guess they, um, decided they were going to call for backup mm-hmm. because they thought they were only going to beat on one person and they did not know that he had sons in the house. All right. So then what happens? So now let's move back to the point where he's got him in a chokehold. You you step in and you say... Greg, you're choking him because I thought whatever in, what happened in the house, he was upset about. But that was prior to me getting there, so I didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after after that, then he punched me in the face after I took it around Neil Mac's neck. So then I was ordered to go back to the station. We all go back to the station, and I was telling the chief what happened. And when I was telling her, the lieutenant comes in and says that I jumped on Gregory Kwiatkowski's back, and I um, like basically like I was the one that was out of control when that was not the case. Um, I said I could not have jumped on his back because we were face to face with a person between us. So that person, of course, was Neil Mack. And there was no way I could have jumped on his back. And I didn't jump on his back. But um, they were trying to cover themselves at that time. When you say they, who are you, who are you speaking of? Uh, the lieutenant, Gregory Kwiatkowski, and the other officers that were there who did nothing. But as far as we know, they're not going to get in trouble anyway. <laughs> well, you got a point there. But they didn't want me to go say that they were doing something wrong. Right. 
So, so that's why they, they made up their story and they knew that, hey, we, we've made up our story, so, so we'll get rid of her. Is this part of the blue wall? Would this be considered? Definitely. This would be the blue wall. So let me see if I, Definitely. Let, me, let me clarify this for those who are listening. In. So basically, they stood around and watched what happened. They allowed one man to punch a female officer, another officer, co-worker, peer, in her face, assault her, but because they didn't want to invite certain things into their lives, they decided to cooperate or keep quiet. Right. Exactly. So you had nobody to support your side of the story. No. Except, we, except for maybe Mr. Mack. Um, that's not true. Okay. He, Gregory Kwiatkowski. So, okay, after that, um, then professional standards came in, which is like the internal investigation. They came in and they took us all in a the room. They took notes when they questioned us to ask us what happened. When they questioned Gregory Kwiatkowski, he said he had Neil Mack in a neck hold. Neck hold, choke hold, whatever he want to call it. That's what he had him in. You know, he... he at one point said he had him in a bear hug headlock. Either way, it's a chokehold. So, <laughs> so you tried to give it a whole new name? A bear yeah, hug headlock. They gave it all kinds of names. And then when it came to the testimony and, and he was asked, did he do that? He said, absolutely not. It's like, like, did you forget that you already testified to this? And of course, they let him get away with lying. It's perjury, of course, because he was lying during testimony. Even though he had already had a recorded statement saying he did. Yes, yes. It's like a, sounds like the time when uh, Dave Chappelle had <laughs> Charlie Murphy on there doing Rick James. I never put my foot on his couch. Yeah, I don't put my foot on <laughs> 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 Oh, man. Okay. All right. So, right, right, right. <laughs> so, so, so then what happens? So then, um, uh, we had a hearing. I became the subject of the investigation that was brought up on charges. Um, and the and charges read like, hmm? yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. What were those charges? So the charges read like, um, well, it was like something like 13 of them, something like that. But, um, three of the charges were because I went on a public access show to tell the truth about what happened. And they said, mm-mm. You can't do that because it's under investigation. I said, how is it under investigation if I am already brought up on charges? Um, but the charges read like um, Officer Horn um, jumped on Gregory Kwiatkowski's back and or put him um, by his collar and or. So they told so many lies. They didn't know which ones to, to put down. So they just put them all down. And then the end result, it ended up in you after this investigation ended up with mm -hmm. your firing. Yes. How'd that make you feel? Oh, it made me feel awful. You know, I had um, five kids. Of course, my oldest at the time was, was a little older. Um, well, he's 38 now, so take 15 years from that. But the point is, still young enough to need help. Um, and, you know, I had um, younger ones. I, um, you know, I went through homelessness, PTSD, of course. This is what caused PTSD. Um, emotional ups and downs. I was I was like um, on an emotional roller coaster. Um, but at the same time, I um, was tired of hearing about problems. I wanted to create solutions. And that's why I am wrote Carrier's Law. Um, I don't know when exactly I thought of it, but I know that I saw it for the first time that I had posted on Facebook in like 2015. And, you know, if someone had helped me with that law to sponsor it, to write it up correctly and then have it um, presented, um, it could have been passed back then and we wouldn't have a George Floyd or Eric Garner or all of the other ones, um, the other deaths that um, have been caused by police while other police stood around and did nothing. So if, if that law 
law was in effect at that time, mm-hmm. what would have been, how would that have affected that situation? Well, it would have affected that situation. I mean, it would have, well, it would have done what it did do um, because after the law was passed, that's, that's what the judge, he also used my law to help me get my pension and to overturn the um, firing. Okay. So, so, so explain that to us. Tell us how that, how that, how that turnaround came. Explain that. Okay. So uh, with the law, the law has like six components as, as the way that it was written. Uh, it's the duty to intervene. Um, police officers can't falsify reports. Um, there's um, a penalty if you, well, I say penalty, um, they're held accountable if they don't intervene. Um, there should be a national registry, which the city didn't adopt, but it needs to be a national registry, not just a city red city registry, because if you have an officer in one jurisdiction, um, you don't want them to move to another jurisdiction in that same state or, or even a different state um, if it's if they're a bad officer. So you, you don't want someone from Buffalo, New York coming to Houston, Texas to become an officer after they've ex- exhibited bad behavior. So um, that's why it needs to be a national registry so it would cover all states. Um, yeah, I, I understand. And, yeah, it should, just like our records follow us, theirs should follow them. Right. So it should be something like a sex, of, sex offender registry um, where it follows sex offenders. But so with that law, uh, we would have already pointed out a lot of these bad officers and they wouldn't be officers right now. Um, the law still needs to be amended, but it's a start. Okay. Now walk me through this real quick. Mm-hmm. You said after that, you, you went through a period where obviously you were devastated. Um, mm-hmm. you, were, you were homeless. And for those who have never been there and, and can't imagine what that's like. Um, Especially with children. I can, I can identify with, with, with that. Wow. Um, yeah, I can totally identify with that. Um, so I, 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 I empathize and sympathize. I know exactly what you were thinking, going through and feeling at that time. I mean, first of all, you were, any, you know, as a black woman, as a black female who had achieved the accolades that you had achieved already and becoming, o- overcoming the odds of becoming a, a, a member of law enforcement, that in itself was, I'm sure, a journey and, and, and such a huge accomplishment, you know, and to have all of that taken away and stripped away just for doing the right thing. Right at the point of being able to retire if I had wanted to. And here it is, you, you, your belief, and I'm sure, and, and I could be speculating, but I'm assuming that your belief was in this particular system, in the system that was supposed to protect and serve. Mm, nah. But at least you thought it was going to apply to you, though, being on that side. I mean, we're, doing the right, I mean, we're doing the right thing. Well, in general, know? in general, as I've stated earlier, most law... What do you mean? I don't understand what you mean. So I will explain. In general, most most people that I've talked to and most uh, uh, in terms of law enforcement, most people who are who are in law enforcement and just based on what we see on a daily basis is that if you guys do something and when I say you guys, I mean those with a badge. If something happens, for the most part, you guys are protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's if you are in, if you are in the um, the get along game. I call it that. Um, right. Or, um, well, pretty much the get along game because um, if you do something and you're black and you're not in the get along game, um, then you are just left on the wayside. Now, right. if you're wrong, okay, I can understand that. But to do something right and to be put on the wayside is like um, it's, it's, it wasn't right, and that is what gave me the energy to keep fighting it, 
even though, you know, I went through depression and all of that other stuff. It's just, it, it gave me the will to fight. And because, you know, um, other young officers who are on, um, it's like, it's like, um, these young boys now who are going through peer pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's like going through peer pressure because in Buffalo, you're on probation for 18 months. So if you're on probation for 18 months and you can be fired for anything, you pretty much just see and you don't see or you see and you don't speak about it. Right. So, um, then after 18 months, you're pretty much conditioned to just basically go along to get along. Hear no evil. Um, no. and my, excuse me? I was saying hear no evil, see no, no evil. Speak no evil, yep. yeah. So, um, in my case, I didn't like what I was seeing, but I was just so close to uh, retirement. Um, I mean, I can go into my whole story. What do you have to read about that when you, when I finish my book? But, <laughs> but the point is, it was, it didn't start there. It didn't start on November 1st of 2006. My fight started before that, you know, um, but I still had a lot of years in and I just wanted to get my um, pension and I could have retired at 40. So, you know, I started the police department at 20 and I could have retired at 40. So I, I wanted to continue until I finished, until I got my pension. So, so basically, I mean, and it's just like anything else, right? When something comes to a head or explodes or blows up, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. like as in most relationships, right? They're over before they actually, before that one moment happens. Right, right? exactly. A mm-hmm. series of things. And, and, and in many cases, I've, I've heard and, and, and discussed where it's almost like they're building a case against you already that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they have these little files that they put together. And, mm-hmm. Listen, out, out of the 20 years, I've been fired twice and have zero suspensions. I've, I have never been suspended but fired twice. The first time they fired me, they had to bring me back. So then after that, that's when they came after me. Um, but yeah, have to bring me back again. Yeah. Give me a break. Ariel, a.k.a. the problem child horn. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right. So so at some point, like I said, so at some point now you're like, OK, this ain't going to stand. I'm not going to let this. I'm not. I can't. This is not going to stand. And then you begin the the, the, the journey to, to get it all back. Well, Listen, I kept I kept trying to fight. I kept trying to fight throughout the years. We had a black mayor, a black police commissioner, a black um, uh, deputy commissioner. So I felt like, you know what? I'm going to get it back. Because we are there. Well, now, I really think that for real, for real. But I just felt like... <laughs> Keep hope alive. I felt like, you know, um, that they understood, you know, about what was going on. I didn't even know what to call it. Because it's like, if black people are doing the same thing that the white people did, like, what do we what do we call this, number one? Because I don't understand it. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it's systemic racism. But I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't have a word for it. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the mayor and said, hey, what do I have to do to push you to do the right thing? He's like, get a lawyer. How am I getting a lawyer? I don't have no money. I had lawyers that, that basically throw me out. Um, and th- this officer who punched me in the face sued me for $65,000 and got a, a default judgment because I didn't show up for court because the lawyer did not tell me that I had court. And when I asked her, why didn't you tell me I had court? She said, and because why didn't you show up they never notified me. Huh? Right. And why didn't you show up on my behalf? To the right. I'm, I'm speaking she said they you. Wouldn't, right. She didn't. She said they didn't notify her. So this dude got, he got 20000 so far and now he's, uh, he's put in um, to get the rest of it, like within the last month. So walk us through how you got, how, how we got to the point where you got your, uh, your, your name back. 
where you got your, your honor back. Well, I ain't got no money yet, so I don't know how much honor that is. But the point is, with the with the law, after George Floyd, people were saying, you know, um, why didn't those officers do anything? And then some people were like, hey, I remember an officer in Buffalo, New York, that did do something and she was fired. So basically, people were interested in the story. Then they were interested in knowing, hey, what happened? And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, they fired me for doing my job, pretty much. Right. And so then um, I, after seeing the George Floyd video, I was like so upset um, because I was like, wow, like they should have done something. They should, they should have been forced to do something. And um, so I was trying to do this video to let them know that I had written a law and try to get somebody to sponsor it. So um, I, I can have the link sent to you too, but um, or you can look it up. It's on YouTube. Um, Cario's Tell Law. Them, there you go. Anyway. Tell them to find it. Tell them where to find it. Okay, Cario's Law, um, Boss Jones. That's the, it's under that. So, um, my son, he, he, well, first of all, I did the video and I kept crying when I was doing the video and I was, and I kept deleting it. I'm like, man, I got to tell him about it. Like, I felt like I was a, like time was of the essence. Like I had to get this message out. So what I did was, um, I just finally said, okay, if I cry this time, I don't care. I'm just going to make the video because they need to know about Cario's law. So I did the video. Um, and of course I cried the ugly cry, like, <laughs> but it didn't matter. I said, at least I got the, the message out and um, so then after that I was on the speakers bureau with um, Terry Watson who's in uh, he's the founder of Strategies for Justice which is a speaking bureau and I um, talked to him and I was like you know I wrote this law but you know I tried to get people to sponsor it but nobody will do anything so like can you help me so it can be written in a way so that they could someone can sponsor it and he did and we put it in front of our council um, we had a team of people and we put it in front of the council and it was passed eight to nine. Well, it's nine people on the council, so eight voted for it and one against it. Um, so it passed, and then like a month later, the mayor finally signed it. Um, so then in October, well, September of 2020, let's pick up the 2020 vision. That's what my attorney said. Um, that's when I. That's when it was Cario's law was passed, and in April of. 2021, April 13th, 2021. That's when the uh, the um, judge used my law to give me my pension. And back pay? And back pay. He only gave me two years back pay to make me pension eligible. But because he reversed the decision to fire me, that means that they have to they owe me all that money still. It's hmm. just that the attorneys have to work all of that out. Right. So it's basically safe to say that if, if this uh, incident with George Floyd had not happened, if this you know, this historic event, which, you know, by the way, yesterday was the one year, dare I say, anniversary, but, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> was the. Sandra Bland's mom said they call it a, a death anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, you can't say anniversary, but it, you know, mm-hmm. one year ago, yesterday, one year ago, George's life was taken. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are the misconception. They'll say, you know, he died or Martin Luther King had died, you know, for us, so to speak, right? But no, they were killed because they were us. There's and because they're fighting for us. Well, he, Martin Luther King was fighting. Um, yeah, yeah, but at the, the end fight. of the day, they both were killed because they're us. Okay. Well, that's true. So they didn't die for us. You, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and that's it's and, that, and and that's why it, this this thing is not justice as you you know as a lot of people call it and as we mentioned earlier it's accountability and that's why I, I appreciate it when you said that it's about accountability mm-hmm. and, you know it is I wrote this law so that nobody else will have to go through what I have gone through so it wasn't just for me it was for us because it would protect the officers so that the officer can feel um, that they could do their jobs and not be 
um, uh, fired or, or ostracized. Um, and it would also help people like George Floyd or Eric Gardner because officers cannot stand by and watch another officer kill someone. Right. Now, do you feel like what happened to you also, do you feel like racism played a part in it? or sexism at all? Um, definitely sexism. Uh, as far as racism, I'm sure it did pay a, play a part. Um, I don't, I'm not sure he would have done that to a, a white female um, or, or a white male. Um, but he felt like he could do that to me um, and get away with it. So I I was confused about that because we had a black, well, we still still have the same black mayor, um, had a black commissioner and a black deputy commissioner, uh, which we still have a black commissioner, but he was the deputy at that time, but now he's the commissioner. Um, so I was confused because I yeah. was like, I think the he thing was that wrong. Be, yeah, I think the he, thing that would be confusing for most people is you have two co-workers where, you know, obviously we got to talk about gender, but two co-workers, both wearing a badge and he punched you in the face. So where does that, you know, that, that I mean, I could understand, like, that would be the most shocking thing to me. Like, how am I, how, how am I not the victim here? How, how would I be? Or in a case where it would be, okay, you're both wrong, but that's clearly not what happened. Right. So, so they um, offered me 10 days suspension and I refused to take it because I said, I'm not taking 10 days for something that I did not do. Give him 10 days. He was the one that was wrong, but they never went after him at all. And then, so after being fired, you know, then also being sued. Well, I was sued first. Like, um, I actually filed a defamation suit first, but that same attorney who didn't tell me that I had court, she took all of my cases and she lost every single one of them. It was about seven or eight of them, something like that. Um, so she, she approached me. So I think that maybe she might've been sent to sabotage my case. Um, cause that's exactly what she it's did. A cold game. It's a cold game. It's a cold game. It is. Game. Definitely is. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm glad that this, uh, you know, I applaud you. I applaud your efforts. I applaud the fact that you have, you, you stayed the course. You know, I, I personally don't know how you maintained or continue to have faith in, in such a br horrible, broken system. <laughs> you well, know, faith I, without works is dead. So I had to do the work too. Yeah. So not like it has been easy and it's still not easy because like right. I said, I have not received my pension yet. So right. it's still a struggle, but at the same time, I'm still pushing to get this law as a national law. I and I think that's really I think I appreciate you. And I know there's so many other officers as well as civilians who appreciate you uh, working uh, to to make this happen. Tell the people where they can go and, and, you know, what or tell people what they can do to help. OK, my cash app is dollar sign Cario. C-A-R-I-O. <laughs> and they can go to um, Cario.com. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel when you. Cario.com. They can go there and get the information. You go to CarioHorn.com. That basically gives you the background information on um, on my story. All right. I ask all my guests this before I wrap it up. Um, briefly tell tell us what was your motivation? What inspired you to become a member of law enforcement? I had two sons that needed to be taken care of. So I took the test, passed it, and that's why. I had no motivation before that to become a police officer, except there was a civil service test coming up and my baby daddy said, hey, you need to take this test. <laughs> I, I took it and I passed it. Now, second question. Mm -hmm. If you could arrest anybody from your childhood... <laughs> Who would it be and why? Hmm. Or from your past. How about that? The, so, some of the, the, the pedophiles. Oh, wow. That you knew personally. Ha, that's another story, though. That's so. another story. I know that better be in the book. That better be in the book about your journey. Well, I actually think I'm going to put it in the book, as far, but I could write a second book, though.
make it a part mm-hmm. of the book because people need to hear so they know that they're not alone. You know, that because mm-hmm. quite often a lot of times people feel like it's, it's just happening to them or, you know, how, how they feel too, if they, whether it's happening to them or they're witnessing it happen. Mm-hmm. And so you, you understand where, where I'm going with this or does it make sense? What I'm I do. I understand. It's I hard understand. sometimes to share these personal things. And I, but, it, but it's like um, mixing, even though it would be a part of my background, you know, me growing up, but it seems like it's like mixing because that had nothing to do with. Well, I guess I'm Dr. Um, Phil now. You don't know that. See, I'm bringing something out of you right now. You know that because here, here's here the I thing. am in a therapy session. I thought I was like having an interview. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Yeah. Everything that good and bad that has happened to us, right, mm-hmm. molds us. It it it, 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 builds, it builds our character. It, it it builds the person in us that wants to fight for seven for 15 years. Mm-hmm. All these different things that happen. And it's only until we tap into certain things that we realize, oh, wow, this is what. Yeah, that's deep that you say that, though. You understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes something will trigger me and I'll remember something that I completely forgot about. Exactly, because we we tend to do that, right? When things are dysfunctional Mm -hmm. or when they're, you know, you know, I I grew up in in, in a neighborhood and in a place where dysfunction was normal. So whereas other people people would look at it and see, Mm -hmm. you know, atrocity. is that why you got into comedy? Uh, well, <laughs> no, just <laughs> you know, that's just something that happens because I mean, if you look at if you look at everyday life, you know, and you survive it and you you make it through it, there's some things that you can look back and talk about in a way because you can relate and I can relate to it, and we share that pain together, right? And we share in that in that dysfunction together to where it's laughable because it was normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When realistically it shouldn't have been and it's not, right? But so, <laughs> yeah. so many of us can 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 identify with certain things that it makes us exhale and we feel better because it's like, damn, it's not just me. Okay. I thought it was just me. I thought it was just mm-hmm. me. And 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 I've had to take a you know a look at myself too and in, in an introspective look at the different things that I went through in life and that the fact that I did go through it, the fact that I did survive it, but I realize sometimes, oh that's the reason why. Oh, that's the reason why I feel like this in these moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so and so it's all part of the journey, is what I was basically saying. It's all part of it. You just trying to get in my business. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so put it in the book. But, but but, but another time, share it, put it in the book if you choose to. But I know that a lot of people would appreciate hearing that. Uh, last but not least, last question. What was your favorite uh, cop show growing up? Hmm. Um, I don't know if it was growing up, but um, it was a comedy um, cop show with, the, with a, I can't think, oh, Reno 911. So you mean to tell me as a little girl throughout <laughs> your whole life, you didn't see any shows that were cop shows? Not one? Yeah. Magna P.I., nothing? I mean, yeah. I saw those cop shows, but um, chips, nothing. Yeah, but it wasn't like I was like, ooh, I like those. Swat. I like, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I like Reno nine one one because um, silly. It was I did some, I did some, some like silly stuff when I was when I um, went on the job because I was only twenty years old. So we were we were young and we were dumb and we did some crazy stuff. So, so of that, okay. Reno Reno nine one one. Yeah. So when she had the 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 guy get out for DWI and she had him do like heel toe heel toe that was like so funny to me because it was like she's dancing along the line and telling him like to go ahead and do it so it was it was like it just reminded me of the silly things that we did all right well tell me tell me one real quick one one silly thing tell me one tell me one give us a good one um i'm trying to think of a good one but 
I mean, like in the middle of the night when me and my um, my partner, who was like, she was my best friend. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like a, a slow light or whatever, whatever. And we used to listen to the radio. So I don't remember what song came on, but it was like, um, I was like, you know, like we, we used to like pump each other up. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is my song. I was like, oh, get out, get out and dance, get out and dance to it. So she like got out because I was the passenger. <laughs> and then I pulled off. I got in a passenger. I jumped. I was the passenger, but I jumped into the um, driver's seat and I pulled and off. And left her dancing? <laughs> yeah, I didn't go far. I just went up a little bit, but it was like just silly things that we did. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> well, once again, thank you for being here. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us um, as we continue to try to bridge this gap. I think most people out there listening to this particular story will be happy to know that someone, again, someone like yourself who was on the other side is having the same fight, is having the same struggle that as a civilian would have and that we're all <laughs> fighting for the same thing and that, you know, there, that there is such a thing called bad apple that they're not all the same. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I can give up my fight right now, but I choose not to because it's still so much work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So and basically, what I'm just doing is just voices, joining forces with people um, so we can make a change. Coming together. There's there's power mm-hmm. in numbers. There's powers in numbers. But again, I, I know some, someone out there listening, a lot of people out there listening will will definitely identify and, and be glad to know that the struggle in the fight is also on the other side as well. That we're all fighting for the same thing, which is dignity, respect, to be treated as equal as a human being to just matter, plain and simple. Um, yeah, and like when when people think that all officers are bad um, because they don't stop the other officers, that the reason is that because, well, the reason that we need laws like Cario's Law because we can't change people's hearts, but we can empower good officers so that they can get rid of the bad officers. And I had to think about how to do that. Mm-hmm. And that is why as I um, said, well, if I do it this way, they're going to say I'm against officers. If I do it this way, then so I had to like think of what what made sense. And I always say, if you're thirsty, you drink. If you're hungry, you eat. If you want police to stop beating you, pass Gary's law. Common sense. Yeah. Drops the mic. Drops the mic. And on that note, thank you, Carrie O'Horn. Black Arm of the Law. Here in the lesson. Thank you. Thank you. Black Arm of the Law is hosted by Carl Payne. Produced by Ken Johnson, Bart Phillips, and Carl Payne. Assistant producer, Lauren Turner. Consulting producers, FBI Special Agent Retired Don Taylor and FBI Special Agent Retired George Graves. Edited by Rick Chill. Theme music by Jeff Redd, courtesy of Soul Real Records. Executive producers, Ken Johnson and Bart Phillips. Find Black Arm of the Law on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Arm of the Law is a mean old lion media production.